Hello and welcome to the In The Money Players podcast for real this time. The third time I tried to bring it in ended up being the charm. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornatal, back with you in the Brooklyn Bunker. Once again, joined by not one, but two guests to talk about a loaded weekend of racing action. We're going to be sticking, not entirely, but largely to the stuff that happened at uh, Santa Anita and Gulfstream. Congrats to our pals over there on the big business they did as well. And we heard from a lot of listeners who uh, hit pretty well. So we, we congratulate them. First man we bring in, um, we we will uh, tell him he's the man who uh, dominates the the Naira contest. Uh, he's Nick Tamro. Nick, how are things? I'm doing well, Pete. Thank you. That's uh, very kind of you. <laughs> you should have broken talk- right twice a day. <laughs> we got to talk about that extensively on our uh, our show for that Sunday Gulfstream Pick Six, and then we also have the usual co-host of this program still uh, on the planet Texas. We're sort of doubled up on the planet Texas today on this show. Jonathan Kenshin, J.K., what's going on? I mean, I got to be honest. The only reason Nick dominates is because legal said I can't play. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we might have to take that as a, as a challenge and do something about it at some point. I have to say, I had such a blast doing the live during the Coast to Coast show. And you bring up these other elements where you could have, you could do a show like that and have a running head-to-head or running contest in the background and try to get it, you know, like we do with Horse Player Happy Hour. But the, you know, the, the length of Horse Player Happy Hour makes it hard to have the whole thing on one show. But we, we could put some special challenge together, JK, if, you're, if your competitive fires are getting uh, are getting stoked there. Oh, I mean, it's, it's always fun. And it, 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 it keeps it, like, interesting, you know? I mean, I think it's we've, – we've actually talked about doing that, like, in the summer at Saratoga on the Fox show where, like, you know, we all have picks, but, like, actually having a running, running tally to, like, you know, see who can, who can kind of amass the best score. I, my money would probably be on Maggie, but, um, <laughs> and yeah, I think it, I, it's always fun. I'm always open to that. I think it's interesting and something we should play around with at some point. But we're not here today to have a production meeting in the middle of the show. We are here today to reflect on this weekend of racing. And I think the headline has to just go straight to the fountain of youth and Forte, who made his return to the races, a winning one. Uh, we often deride the uh, the eye test on this show as as a you know far worse indicator than speed figures of a horse's ability and i stand by that but i have to say the thing that impressed me most about forte and the 98 buyer speed figure that he earned the other day was the manner in which he did it the ease with which he did it he just really looked like a horse who had a lot more under the hood even than the impressive performance we saw the other day nick i'll bring you in first how impressed were you by forte how did this performance measure up with what you thought we might see I think it was solid. Um, you know, I think it was uh, kind of exactly what you'd want to see. We wanted him to at least show that he was as good as a three-year-old as he was as a two-year-old because he was a, he was an exceptional two-year-old, no doubt about it. There's no getting around it. So it was nice to see that he is at least at that level. Um, speed figure-wise, I mean, he got a 98 buyer, which um, is is pretty much on par with where a little, little bit slower than where he was in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile it looks like a pretty reliable figure from the standpoint that Rocket Ken took a, an appreciable step forward. Cyclone Mischief kind of ran back to his good race two back, which is easy to believe considering that he showed more speed. And obviously that's a circumstance where I think speed horses are going to run better. You know, it, it was, should he be crowned the Derby champ? No. I mean, there's there's still plenty that needs to be done and, and he should be a pretty heavy favorite in the Florida Derby. 
Um, he should be the he's the Kentucky Derby favorite right now. But, you know, anybody that's treating the Kentucky Derby as a fait accompli is just going a little overboard. I can't disagree with that. It's not like this came back a, a, a 110. But I do stand by that idea that it really looked more than the average race like there was like more in the locker with this horse. JK, what did you I know you were a big fan of the horse going in. What do you think coming out? I mean, I think if you if you were looking for reasons to try to bet against Forte um, on Saturday, it wasn't because you thought he wasn't good enough. It wasn't because you thought that he didn't have a great rider. And it wasn't because you didn't think that he was being trained by a guy in the Hall of Fame. The reason you thought you could try to beat him was that he was coming in off of a break. This wasn't the goal. And that maybe this was a stepping stone to the Florida Derby. I, I've even heard maybe bluegrass and then on to the Kentucky Derby. Interesting. So if, if that was the story you were telling yourself, which to me is the only story you could really tell yourself about how to beat him that day, he passed that test. And so now the rest of it is just going to be this progressive thing moving forward. And, and I, and I'm very similar. I think all three of us are very similar. And the fact that, you know, we do these shows and we, 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 we talk about these races. So, you know, we do understand that the Derby and the, the triple crown trail and, and all of that stuff is kind of like the, the thing to talk about around this time of the year. But like, I just don't get overly excited about any of these races until they start going a mile and an eight. And it's not because I'm like one of those, like people who wants to like poo poo the excitement of the Derby. It's because I have learned a lesson falling in love with horses at this point of the triple crown trail never goes well. It just doesn't go well. You have to see what they're going to do at a mile and an eighth from a speed figure standpoint, from a pace standpoint, um, trip with the kind of ride they're going to get all of those things. You got to kind of let it all unfold before you can fall in love. Yes. Forte is a leader in the clubhouse, but no, I'm not lining up on the third floor grandstand yet to, to place a wager on it. It is interesting to see the price really did react. Best price coming into the weekend was still around 10 to one. Best price now is five to one internationally. Also interesting to note that that five to one is at the sharpest book where a lot of the other places have gone shorter, maybe relying on the overreaction that, uh, that but, Nick was uh, referring to. Haven't we always seen that when we start talking about it at this point, it's like these future situations. It's like, aren't you going to get pretty damn close to five to one, even if he wins the Florida Derby? Like, like you're, you're kind of going to get that price anyway. So what's the point of locking it in now? I understand why we have the conversation about it, but I think yeah. you, you got to be getting twice what you think you're going to get on the day, in my opinion, to take any type of futures now. I agree. And I think this year in particular, you're going to see every long shot in the world bet down. And I think you're probably, even if he puts on an impressive performance and runs a 104 next out, probably still five to two. So it's not like they're giving anything away. I, I don't, you know, I mentioned on the show the other day, the idea that, you know, an alternate approach to, to taking the short number in the Florida Derby was to go and grab that tens while it lasted for international um, folks that one I sure wouldn't mind having in the portfolio, but yeah, this is probably short enough. Do, do you agree, Nick, the five to one short enough from here? Uh, for me, certainly. I mean, I would never bet a horse at five to one in the Derby futures. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I don't know if I would have bet Nyquist at five to one at this point. And, uh, you know, I think he was probably, I think he's a fair comparison point for Forte though. I, I will, I just pulled up Nyquist PPs actually. And, and he was Forte's faster at this point. But Nyquist started his uh, his three-year-old campaign in the San Vicente and got a 101 buyer, which was 12 points higher than he had ever run. So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Jonathan Sentiment. Two, two to three times what uh, 
what they're going to go off on the day. I mean, you can envision a scenario where, you know, he wins the bluegrass and workmanlike fashion gets another high nineties fig, maybe somehow Arabian night comes in off the top rope and, and wins the uh, Santa Anita Derby. Um, and then we could be looking at a situation where he's not even five to one. Right. So yeah, there's, there's just a lot out there. Are we a little, I mean, we're a little concerned, right? That Arabian night has two published works with like a weird one, like February 13th and then nothing till March 4th. I mean, that seems a little, I mean, maybe there's a world in which when he got, he's, you know, he, he didn't have the blue and gold saddle towel on, but I just don't think you're missing a horse working in the morning. That could be the and, derby favorite. And and how much of that break is related to all the horrible weather versus if there was any kind of incident, I feel like the way they're betting, the way they're talking about him, it might be more weather related than, than anything else, but it's still not good to have any kind of, um, interrupted preparation when you're dealing with a horse as inexperienced as Arabian night is what, what have you heard, Nick? I, I'm, I have yet to hear exactly why I think there might be something to do with that. I mean, look, I'll, I'll just come right out and say one of the other issues I have is that these Baffert to Yakteen horses are running like crap. So that's, that's a big concern too. I mean, it's, they've just not run well. And so that last year, this year, you know, it hasn't happened. So that's, that's a concern in addition to Arabian night. Now I'm not as worried about him being in a scenario where he has to win his final prep to get there because if he didn't win his final prep, he shouldn't go anyway. Right. So, I mean, that's kind of, he, he also has a, he has a little bit of a dangerous running style for, my taste for the derby because he could easily get scorched on the front end. It might require two horses from Japan to come over for us to, to get a fast pace. Cause it seems like that's the only way we can get it. But um, yeah, so we'll see it, but no, I agree. I mean, there are a lot of red flags at this point. And I really only brought him up because like, who else is out there that's going to suddenly jump up and say, Hey, I'm, I'm potentially as good as Forte. And we haven't really seen that kind of horse in Louisiana. We didn't see it in the rebel. And um, we didn't see it in the Withers. So it's getting a little, we're getting a little late. We're dying to segue to the Santa Anita Derby, to the horse, to the three-year-old who actually ran the, the fastest figure on the buyer scale over the weekend. Uh, legendary breeder Chad Brown um, brought the practical move into the world. And this one puts up a, a 100 buyer speed figure out that way, uh, being the, 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 Somebody used a great phrase. The it was Michelle said the other day. Said, "What about the what about the pure yakteen?" Or it wasn't pure. It wasn't like a judgy term, but like the true yakteen runner. Anyway, practical move. Definitely a horse um, looking like one we have to talk about on this show, and then looking like a legit contender for this race now with the two Grade Two wins in a row. J.K., what did you think of practical move? You know, it's, it, look, it's just one of those deals, like. And, and, I, and I, you know, I, I feel like I do this a lot when we do these kind of pre-derby shows. It's like I'm either looking for like sensational or the rest of them. It's just like we're just kind of letting it happen. It's like it's like um, it's that first drive of a football game. Like it's not going to make or break anything. Sure, you're gathering some in information. You're watching. You're interested. Uh, you're plugged in. But whether they score or, or they get stopped and go three and out, it doesn't change the outcome. And that's kind of how I feel about a lot of these races unless you know it's like some 14 play drive with a bunch of third downs and they're running the ball and it, it, all these really you know kind of demonstrative things are happening like yeah i mean the horse ran a fast number got a kind of a nice setup um you know 
let's see what happens when they progress. But no, I was not wowed by the performance. And it's not like this horse has like moved up my derby list that doesn't exist. You mentioned the nice trip. This was a day that seemed kind to uh, runners maybe uh, on that part of the track. Is that what you were referring to, Jonathan? Um, yeah, I mean, well, yeah, that part of it as well. But, you know, I, I think that, that you know, it had a little bit of trouble kind of popping away from there, but then kind of ended up. Eight. Yeah, but then ended up, you know, kind of working out. Okay, trip. And the other thing about it, too, is like there wasn't any world beaters in there. There wasn't like some horse that this that practical move beat that I was like, oh, wow, he beat, you know, Hijazi, who is just not really turning out to be what I think they thought he was going to be when they purchased him for what they purchased him for. So, um, you know, it was a good race, but like I said, I, I, I've just, I have fallen in love with horses that run near triple digit buyers before at a mile and a 16th. And that doesn't work out for me. Ask Verrazano sold that. And there's a bunch of horses like that, that I fell for that. You just got to wait a little bit longer. So it, it's an information gathering operation and, like I said, if there is a wow factor, I will pay attention to it. That was just a, a good win and not nothing, nothing wow about it. The race changed its complexion very much when National Treasure was scratched with a foot injury. Curious to see what uh, they'll be able to do in terms of, of getting him back on the trail or if it's going to be too late for him. I mean, he does have a little bit more foundation than average, but when he came out, it left the betting a mess. I mean, there were horses in there that – you know, the horses I was interested in were horses I was hoping would be six or eight to one. They ended up both being five to two in Go Rocket Ride and, and Skinner uh, Hijazi. Definitely one of the disappointments of the race. Nick, what are your main takeaways from this year's uh, from this year's San Felipe? Well, the good thing about Hijazi is that if he wins the Empire Classic, he's a New York bred. If he wins it 20 <laughs> times, then they'll be even for his purchase price. So it's 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 a real possibility. But I kid, of course, and I like his pedigree very much being a New York racing fan. Um, I, I'm wondering how the hell Practical Move has been able to run through on the rail as if you could put a bulldozer through there in two straight starts. And it just so happened that at both places, which very infrequently have good inside paths, they did. So it's, yeah. it's kind of insane that, that he, is, he is probably the most dressed up horse on the derby trail by a mile. But, you know, that being said, it's it's it was a... a plan on Yakteen's part to run him here, give him two spots. He was ready. You know, he took advantage of it, but it's very hard to believe this horse will be a serious derby horse. I don't, uh, I don't envision that being the case at all. Um, I mean, I guess, I guess Skinner gets a little bit of an upgrade because he went kind of from off of it and, and he was a little wide and, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to, kind of hard to embrace that horse altogether, but I don't think the pace was particularly robust. Um, I'll tell you the public, and, and we didn't talk terribly much about the balance of the field in the, uh, in the fountain of youth, but the public is just so seduced by first out winners that, you know, without understanding anything about how they won, like look at all the money that mage took and look at all the money that go rocket ride took here. This is really, really hard to do. I mean, when you have one sprint race where you wired the field and now you're going into a graded stake race where you're not getting the lead. I mean, these horses to me are, are in those situations where a minimum of 10 to one. 
And, you know, obviously we all know Ramiro is involved with Mage and, and he even said to me on Twitter, he's like, I think we're 20 to one shot. And I told, cause I said, yeah, I thought he was a 20 to one shot. You know, he ran well, all things considered, he's a nice horse and down the line, he could have more of a shot. Same with go rocket ride. This stuff is, this is a lot to do in a short period of time. So I know there's a Japanese horse coming over for the Santa Anita Derby. I'll be interested to see where they stack up because they've obviously done very well globally. And uh, we'll learn a little bit more about this group. But I mean, the California contingent, it doesn't look like much to me. That was my next question was going to be about Mandarin Hero, a horse that uh, has been racing on the, the NAR circuit, not the JRA circuit that we cover that much. But I know we have people on the team who, who are going to help us try to figure out where this one stands. And I'm, I just, I love the intrigue of it. And I do hope that, uh, you know, it, it certainly from a talking about it standpoint m- makes the race more interesting. It's as simple as that. Uh, Jonathan, from what you've seen of what the Japanese have done internationally, I mean, don't you have to at least uh, take a second look at this horse? I mean, I, I don't think it's one to be dismissed out of hand. Yeah, I mean, they kind of used to be a little punchline-y, I think, when they would show up. And, and, and you know, you had these horses where they were trying to get them in the derby and, and, and all of this. But, yeah, I mean, they show up on international stages quite often now, and, and they're running pretty well. And I think a lot of it has to do with you're seeing American pedigrees. Like, you're seeing they've, they've, they've really invested in our dirt pedigrees here. And, and Mandarin Hero, a Shanghai Bobby, shows up and – and yeah, I mean, it's hopefully they'll get here early enough in the way that the, 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 the clocker culture is in California. We'll be able to know how talented the horse actually is because it's always hard to kind of find figures for horses and compare them to ours when they come from overseas. But I mean, there's no world beaters out there. And, and that's not something that you say very often. I would say, uh, you know, I would say, you know, 14 out of the last 15 years, there has been a world beater in California. <laughs> whether it be, you know, a, a looking at Lucky or a, or a, a Dortmund. Um, you know, I know American Pharaoh came out to this side of the world. So it just doesn't seem like there happens to be one of those this year. We will do our best to, uh, to, to give you some line on what that figure may be from the folks on the international side of the team. Let's talk about the other Triple Crown prep race on the day. Ray's Kane, uh, very nicely given a, a shout you guys actually on the on the show that you and Andy Serling did, Nick. I, I think you did. You am I remembering right? I feel like you gave out the try here. It was uh, an impressive handicapping performance for sure. Where do you think Ray's Kane and this field shape up in, as far as going forward? Um, do we have a horse that you think that you're looking forward to betting in in the Wood and or uh, beyond? In the Woody Stevens, maybe. Um, I don't know. I don't think, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, we had a good, good run handicapping it. Andy liked race Kane. I brought up general banker for underneath and then everybody plugged that into their algorithm and absolutely demolished the payoff So because uh, <laughs> it was all the computers that crushed it. So it was kind of, kind of crazy how that all shook out, especially with the win odds, but, um, no, it was a good, it was a good circumstance. And, and, you know, one of the things that, that Andy is good at and, and that people can learn from him about is that if you can find reasonable excuses for horses, poor performances and see and, and envision that they might be getting to what they want to do, that's a huge angle that you can play and you're going to be successful enough to make money 
because they're going to be good prices. And that was exactly the case with race Kane. It felt like he really was going to be an ideal fit at a mile on the dirt. And he was being given that opportunity. You also knew it was going to be a pretty fast paced race. He'd benefit from that as well. That was kind of my angle on general banker. I did not think that slip Mahoney was going to come from a hundred lengths out. I might have to, to willingly part with my 99 to one slip Mahoney, uh, Kentucky Derby future, but I, I don't, given what I wagered, I won't be too upset about that. So, um, yeah, you know, it was a good, it was a wet track race. It was a typical aqueduct day where it looked like the track speed changed three or four times. So it's hard to get a real gauge on on whether these horses are serious. I mean, I, I would suppose that Brad Cox would give Slip Mahoney another shot in the wood. Um, he looks like more of a distance type anyway. And and he did get a big pace setup. He did also come from way out of it. So I don't think we'll learn much. I don't think the winner is really a derby horse. Um, I don't know how many of them behind him are either classic meltdown here i mean the horses at the quarter who are 11 12 and 13 early end up one two three on the wire racing flow had this one if you're familiar with their parlance as a plus 214 flow meaning that 99 out of 100 times this race is going to be run by a closer essentially um the other thing i noticed just from a betting point of view i it's just such you're right that it wasn't a good you can't call it a There's no universe in which you can say this was a good payoff for the trifecta. But the way that I look at it in New York now with the win odds is just how uncorrelated the win odds are from what the computers do. Because I truly believe, whereas I can be told what I want by our great partner friends at Naira, I, I, I don't believe that there's not some way even if they don't have their normal access, that the computers are not in the, the late pick five and the late pick six. You just, you look at the payouts and and there's clearly some um, input there from that smarter money, but I don't see it in the win pool. And I think that's part of the reason why you're seeing 23 to one over six to one over 30 to one come back. What it come back here. I, I don't remember. 1500. Yeah. Yeah. For, and, and was that for two? For two. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that that math doesn't that that the, I mean, know, those odds in a fourteen in a, in a fourteen horse race those odds I mean that's supposed to be six six thousand plus yeah but say. but I think part of it is that like that input that can generally be so reliable the wind pool to these other pools they're they're not correlated and it's why you should be betting yeah. the wind pool in New York if you're not JK right. what did you think uh, you had a rare off day uh, for a Saturday. Um, what did you think of the, what did you think of the Gotham and, and what sporting event were you at watching it on your phone? Uh, what was I? College. <laughs> ba- I was actually, no, I was here. We, we were, we were just hanging out watching Texas, Kansas. I think um, it might've been a Duke, North Carolina situation at that point. Um, which it's funny. I mean, I went to Texas, but apparently Duke is more important in this family now. Well, I won't get into that. <laughs> um, you know, this is one of those situations where I really do wish uh, that I could see, I wish I could have this stat, which is I want to know how many 20 to one shots that have won who closed into red fractions on time form us when their next start, it just doesn't, it, 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 it's very clear what happened here. Right. I mean, this is a scenario in which this horse took advantage of a meltdown, um, wasn't expected to run well at 20 to one, 23 to one. And is not the type of horse I have any interest in moving forward. I think the three of us all agree as the races get longer, the mile and an eighth, and especially the mile and a quarter, I've got no interest really in a horse that, that takes advantage of meltdowns from way out of it. Um, forwardly placed horses do well in two turn 
turf, uh, dirt races, especially the Kentucky Derby. So, um, no, I, I think the most interesting thing about raising cane is that, uh, that a race cane is that raising canes has a pretty good, like, like dipping sauce for their, for their <laughs> chicken strips. And I also think that somewhere Brad, Brad Cox has uh, some of his agent friends trying to get a deal done to buy a, a graded stakes winner off of Ben Colbrook. <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't even know. And, and if actually on that, on that topic, I mean, the horse that should be mentioned and not because we're all friends with him, but I and Clover ran very well in here. And, um, and I know that, yeah. that Marshall and everybody at 10 strike had some aspirations for him potentially being a derby horse. I don't, I don't think that they should reach the conclusion that this horse has any problem going a distance of ground because uh, he really had no, he was the only one who was anywhere near it that, that was in the frame. I mean, Carmel road by comparison was beaten by almost 10 lengths. So, yep. you know, he finished considerably better. It was also first time on a wet track. I, um, I encouraged Marshall to, uh, to look at the secondary derby route that this might be a very good, like Texas, Iowa, West Virginia, Indiana derby kind of horse. And, and there might not be as much prestige out there for those races, but there's a hell of a lot of money. Yeah, it's totally fair. I mean, but that's absolutely right. This horse, we talked about how the, the, the winner, the, the top three came from so far back. This horse at that, at the same point was half a length off it in third and the only one of the speed who ended up anywhere at the end. Yeah. I wouldn't, I mean, yeah, you could, you could even, I wouldn't fault them for taking one more shot somewhere um, where, where where it didn't appear that you were going to get this uh, supersonic pace like they, they they got in here. Definitely not a horse that you want to be uh, giving up on in the form of of eyeing clover. Let's move on to some other action because we're doing sort of a truncated version of the show today, and we had some grade one races that we at least need to talk about. Obviously, there'll be loads more derby chatter uh, to come, but let's go out to, uh, let's do the, the big cap. Let's talk about uh, Stiletto Boy getting his, uh, getting his picture taken in this spot. Is this a horse that you had any use for uh, before the race? How, were you, how surprised were you, Nick, by, uh, by this effort with him uh, scoring at nearly 14 to 1? Well, you know, they take turns out there pretty good, and it was his turn. So um, this is, uh, it's like the medium cap. Um, it's it's not quite the race that it used to be. But of course, I mean, circumstances dictate that. And there's 30 plus million dollars available in in, uh, in other races this time of year. So I was glad they got a big field together. It looked it made the Pegasus look very good. Um, three right. also runs from the Pegasus ended up one, two, three. And uh, Proxy got a bit better uh, set up and, and ran well enough. You know, he's just a typical mid to high 90 buyer older handicap horse. And, and, you know, the, the unfortunate thing about, about the Taba running poorly in Saudi. And if Taba is not really the Taba that we're hoping for is that in the handicap ranks are very, very thin. So we could really use somebody being good. And, and I mean, Stiletto boy, while, while admirable and while a hard trying horse is uh, he's not exactly going to remind anybody of best pal. How good does art collector look coming out of this? Jonathan, is he a horse you could see winning many, many valuable prizes based on what we've seen from this division? Yeah, that's the conclusion that I came to with, with this situation. You know, it's it's always tricky. The, the, these mile and a quarter races that we'll see, uh, I think the Hollywood Gold Cup is also a mile and a quarter out Santa Anita. It's like the, and, and then the, the Pacific Classic in years at flight lines not running. And it always just kind of be, is this kind of just like hodgepodge of like these, high nineties horses that take turns winning those races, like Nick said. And it's, you know, they're, they're typically not when, when they all come together at a breeder's cup, they're typically not 
good enough to compete against the best. Because a lot of times the best California horse, just by the nature of it, doesn't spend a lot of time in California. Like flight line was a little bit different. But, you know, a lot of times you see Baffert come to the Whitney and they'll show up in the Met Mile and they'll run in the Pegasus and they'll, they'll go to Saudi or, 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 or Dubai. And so, um, yeah, useful horse. But I think more than anything, this race moved art collector even like kind of higher up as being a, a very talented horse. So we'll see what happens with, with him. Taba is maybe the reason, Nick, why we've seen Al. I don't know if it has this direct of a correlation, but maybe him doing what he did last year is part of the reason we saw some of these first time start, these first time winners uh, in, in graded stakes get bet the way that they did having him. But yeah, I think you can certainly make the, uh, the, the case that he is the exception more the rule when it comes to the difficulty of those spots. I want to do a word on the kill row and then we'll wrap it with uh, going back to Florida to talk about uh, Darth Vader really quickly, but gold flipping Phoenix. who we've talked about so many times on these airwaves owned by our little red feather pals uh, gets the job done in the kill row. What did you think of this race, Jonathan? Yeah, this is always one of my favorite races and, and, and it's, it, it always seems to kind of produce that horse that, uh, or those horses that then show up in, in, uh, in, in races that we'll see at Keeneland and, 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 you know, this is also a nice kind of lead up, I think, to, to horses running on the uh, in the in the in the whatever whiskey is sponsoring the, the race before the Derby um, as an old forester now. And then I mean, I should say bourbon. Sorry, people from Kentucky. And then also, you know, races like the four star Dave. So uh, Gold Phoenix has always kind of been in the mix and really kind of took a jump up from a figure standpoint. If you're looking at time form U.S. source, it usually is like 117, 120, um, you know, pops in there with a 126. Uh, look, and. I thought the horse ran, ran well and, and obviously happy for our friends at little red feather, little red feather, but there's always that next step. Now as a grade one winner in the kill row and the Frank kill road, you, you got to kind of go out East and take on some of those Clements and Chad's and uh, Brad Cox's. And that's when you really can kind of get the measuring stick out to see uh, what you have, because let's be honest, beating a Bob Baffert turf horse is not, <laughs> it doesn't put you first in line to get an eclipse. So, but let's, so, Let's let's now come. I think you have a horse that, that has earned the right to, to come out to the East Coast and, and take on um, what we've just historically seen as the East Coast being just a step above in, in terms of the turf racing. Hong Kong, Harry, the disappointment of the race of, in the hunt at even money and then just no. I'm, I'm going to say it was a no finish trip. Did you see anything to excuse this, Nick, or was it just not his day? Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think it was just kind of a no finish trip. He he had race unfolded uh, pretty much as we all would have expected. The, the thing about Hong Kong Harry was that his last two wins had been courtesy of enormous pace setups. And, you know, it's a little bit like what Jonathan was alluding to with the Gotham is that if you, you have an off the pace horse that wins a lot of times, that's eye candy because people say, oh, you know, look at his turn of foot and things like that. People generally don't have any idea what turn of foot even means. Right. I mean, he's, they're all quick and it's on turf. Right. They all run faster in the final quarter than they did in the first quarter. So the situation was different this time because he was significantly closer. And I think you could probably argue that, you know, many would have envisioned Gold Phoenix and Hong Kong Harry's trips being reversed because here, you know, here came this one run kind of save ground and, and pop outside closing type that had to make a prolonged bid. So um, it, it may not have been the greatest ride on Hong Kong Harry in terms of what was expected. Gold Phoenix got a great ride for uh, for that matter, and Kazushi Kimura continues to to impress. Um, 
you know, for me, this is like five horses that were within two lengths of each other. They're all, they're fortunate in that right now, there just really aren't a lot of good turf horses out there. You know, they're, we're, we have a we have a grade one horse shortage in this country and we need some to really step up. On the topic, I mean, Todd Pletcher ran two at Gulfstream that both looked very good and both look like potentially grade one turf horses in the near future. I mean, Emmanuel certainly does. And up to the mark looks like he could be there in the future as well. So, you know, those types and Hong Kong uh, and Gold Phoenix and maybe Hong Kong Harry, may they congregate at Keeneland for the Makers Mark Mile. And it'd be fun to see where we can sort it all out. Is there an equivalent of a bat signal that gets lit for Charlie Appleby to, to start prepping horses to come over and win our grade one turf races? He's probably walking down the shed road like, I could win with that one. I could win with that one. I could win with that one. I mean, it's like, he's, yeah. he just wins races, some of these races without even good, no, horses that he probably considers to be marquee. And at this time of year, I think we also, you know, we, 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 we don't forget, but I think that just because of the way that his operation goes, I think we forget that there's some white silks with red letters and some two-tone green silk horses from Chad Brown's barn that will suddenly start to show up. Uh, you know, it always feels like kind of when Keeneland comes around is when those horses start showing up. And and I'm sure he's got a couple in the barn that, that he's going to unleash that, that uh, you know, for Chad that will end up kind of being in this conversation with, of, you know, grade one type turf horses. Now, it doesn't always happen, but... It, it seems to find its way at some point in the spring. I think we the problem is this year, a lot of them have ovaries. That's the <laughs> issue. So, I mean, right. he's got some good turf horses for sure. Yeah. Good female turf horses for sure. And, you know, I mean, and you're right. And there's probably some euros in there that we've not seen yet either. The chat is waiting up to, uh, to unleash. Yeah, it'll be it'll be great to see the, the, how the season unfolds. Clearly, there's going to be some uh, some real turnover. They're, they're not they're not awarding turf eclipse awards based on what we see in uh, in the early days of March. We need a word on the Devona Dale before we get out of here. I'll ask it cheekily uh, over under on uh, congratulatory text messages and uh, tweets you received, Jonathan, based on your uh, your 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 pretty nice push of Darth Vader uh, 11, 12. Uh, probably under. In fairness, it was a soft push. It wasn't like a. It, it wasn't. wasn't a, like, it was not a confident top pick. No, it was. A, it was a B horse. It was. You know. I mean, I said some words about the horse. It, like, I mean, I, I think that more importantly, the, the 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 thing to take away from that race and just basically any race. I, I, I was spending uh, this morning when I was driving back from dropping Austin off. I was talking to Jake Ballas, who has the half to Faiza that these Phillies just aren't fast um, as talented as some of them might be, but as people who believe in speed figures, these horses aren't fast. And I think when you find a race or a division that doesn't possess fast horses, that means that horses that that means that there's not a big gap in between them. And there's opportunities then for other horses to work out trips and beat horses that appear to be better or to be bet. At a, at a higher rate. And that's really all that was, is that uh, those two horses, uh, uh, the Rusty Arnold's horse and Chad's horse. Yeah, they, they just were good, but they weren't monsters. And you had these other two horses to the outside that made a little bit of sense. So um, am I cutting in line or getting on a plane or calling Marvin to try to get some Kentucky Oaks future down on her? No, I, I'm not. Um, but uh, I, I hope she did help some people score a little bit. A little Marvin, the bet runner chatter. We need you, Nick, to. He's the outside of Nikki the boss and Philly Joe. 
Marvin is the only thing to look forward to next week. Oh, stop. <laughs> but if you do see him out there, Nick, say say hello from the from the In the Money Brethren and try very hard to buy get him a second dessert and send me the receipt. Well, In the Money wants to In the Money wants to pay for I, that. I, I, I do I do have to tell this joke because Nick Nick knows this, Pete knows this. I have gotten to a point in my life where if I can sometimes just like group text a joke that I want to say on Twitter, I still get the satisfaction out of it. Okay. So I'm going to share it here for people that are listening. I convinced myself the other day to not the NCRA like posted a, a, a picture of someone in my shirt and I wanted to quote, I was going to quote retweet with just a link to, to buy the shirt, but I, I didn't do it. I was going to. Do that. <laughs> well, that, that ruined all my fun. Cause I was going to get a snap of somebody wearing one and put hashtag thought he was in Florida. I <laughs> mean, <laughs> <laughs> It's still going to happen. <laughs> Very quickly here, Nick, you know, Darth Vader obviously coming back with this 81 buyer speed figure does nothing to change your idea about this three-year-old group having a case of the slows, as you so eloquently put it. Um, any thoughts on this race or any anything to, to learn from? A, if it's not about what these horses are going to do going forward, anything from a, a, a you know, a, what people can learn in looking for a, a, a cap horse logic or anything like that as far as uh, the Devona Dale goes? Yeah, I mean, it's it's becoming clear that at least maybe early in their three-year-old seasons, and, and I know Paul Matisse has mentioned this and you and I have talked about it, these horses running without Lasix, I mean, they're, they're just not, they're slow. I think they might also be slow additionally. Um, I thought Darth Vader ran very well. Obviously, it was a strong pace, and the second place horse came from a mile out because Joel had a little siesta down the back stretch, um, and, and then let her go late. But um, it, it was, you know, it was a good, it was a good effort by Darth Vader. Don't get me wrong, and don't take anything away from it. Also shows the difference when it comes to speed horses when you can set up stalking outside as opposed to having to take heat on the inside, especially through fast fractions. There was a nice three-year-old filly that won the eighth race on Sunday afternoon at Oakland. Punch bowl for Brad Cox, who broke her maiden first time out, kind of flying from the back of the pack, and then they stretched her out on Sunday, and she uh, she ran well. There is actually not a buyer speed figure in yet, but she got a 105 time form number. Of course, she was treated with Lasix, so I mean that you know that likely helped. But I believe the word is that Brad is going to run her in the Ashland, and um, I'm you know I'm thinking based on my kind of back of the napkin calculations that her buyer figure will be around a 90 and we're just not seeing very many of these in the three-year-old Philly ranks right now. So look, uh, look out potentially for punch bowl as a, a three-year-old Philly may be ready to take a step forward pretty soon. Very interesting. Yeah. The mile and a 16th win uncle Mo out of a, a sweet Southern St. Dam called devilish lady. That might be an interesting one to, to take a look at JK. You have a closing thought. I think we got to get out of here for your, your guys times reasons. Yeah, well, I just want to I mean, Nick made a great point there that has nothing to do with like, you know, anything specific about these races, but a point that I just want to reiterate, because I even sometimes I get like, I feel I almost feel like kind of insecure sometimes on the show when I constantly say, oh, this is a horse with tactical speed drawn outside. And I think people like I, it's really not a throwaway phrase for me. I really, really think that that is a that is the most advantageous trip that you can get in racing tactical speed drawn outside. Because it gives you options. Options If the pace is too fast, you can still win from out there because you can kind of dictate and see where you need to go. When you're drawn to the inside with speed and the pace is too fast, man, it's hard as hell to win from down there. It's just hard. And, it, and, that, and that's 
that is something that I would always say when you're looking at these situations, you're looking for horses, like you mentioned, that are like cap type horses, outside stalking horses with tactical speed that are 30 to one. There's, there's, there's 9,000 worse wagers you can make. Yeah, that's not a bad point. And I do think part of it is modern track maintenance, you know, in the inside paths are, are a paved speedway. It's not so advantageous. They're get, you're giving up, you know, that that'll make up for, taking heat if you're on the best part of the track by far isn't so bad but when it's often the opposite of that where that path is you know maybe half a length slower than if you were two or three wide that's i think part of what you guys are both getting at nick is that is that about right yeah exactly right and so i mean you know take Dorothy vader specifically last time prior to saturday she was on the inside not always the greatest place to be at tampa anyway getting pushed fast fractions. Now you put her on the outside stalking. You know, you don't have to be much of an expert on workouts to know that the majority of trainers really get their horses comfortable by training them outside of a target, especially their better horses. So she just seemed much more comfortable there. Whereas red carpet ready was having to do kind of more of the dirty work and, and the way they went quickly early, that was going to force red carpet ready to really try and stave off Darth Vader for like a half mile, which gets hard. And red carpet ready when push comes to shove, as much as we're all rooting for progeny of Oscar performance, she might not really want to go a mile, right? She might be better. She might be better at six or seven. She's still pretty, pretty darn good, which, you know, you can't take that away from her, but yeah, she might just want a slightly shorter trip. Love the plug for our friends at Mill Ridge as well. Well done, Nick. Well done. All right, guys, let's get out of here. Um, we will be back later in the week with lots more content covering New York and Santa Anita, the Coast to Coast Bets. Special show I'm going to do on Thursday with Golden Gate are running Thursday um, as our Santa Anita. And that means we've got a golden hour show. I'm going to do something for that for uh, with Matt Dinnerman. So that'll be that'll be something to look for in the feed. JK plus one this week with Sean Borman. I'll be talking about uh, to, talking to Sean as well in the Pro Player Diary. Uh, Nick, Godspeed out there. Have fun. Say hi to all of our friends, and uh, we will see you. And your foes. What's that? And your foes. <laughs> you can ignore I them. Did. Actually, it's even better you know keep your friends close and your enemies closer so hey. you know that 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 works that works too the um, nhc podcast actually just got posted as well so oh very, fantastic. Uh, yes yes uh, i'm excited to i'm excited to hear that it's a it's a it's a always fun to check in on uh you know some of our regulars and some new people as well carson matisse did you get him did yeah yeah excellent He's playing in his first one after attending 17. So that'll be that'll be an interesting story in and of itself. All right. We are out of here. Thanks to our founding partners, the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation and 10 Strike Racing. Thanks most of all to all of you, the listeners and the viewers, for making these shows so much fun to do. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your photos. <laughs>